So verse 6 says, So when he had heard, when Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. It seems like a paradox, doesn't it? Because between uh, verses 5 and 6, because if he truly loves Lazarus sacrificially, and that's what that word really means, he would have gone to him immediately. He would have gone. But we've got to remember that there was a greater purpose in Jesus waiting that nobody seemed to understand at that time but himself and the Father. Welcome, everyone, to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. It seems strange that Jesus did not immediately act upon this great need. The delay was probably mystifying to the disciples and agonizing to Mary and Martha. In John's Gospel, there are three times when someone dear to Jesus asks him to do something. In each of these three cases, Jesus responded in the same way. Jesus first refused to grant the request, and then he fulfilled it after showing that he does things according to the timing and the will of God, not man. Through his actions, Jesus demonstrated that his delays are not denials. They would bring greater glory to God. Now let's join Pastor Rob with today's lesson. All right. Again, good morning. It is good for us to be together, isn't it? Hey, let's open our Bibles to John's Gospel. We're going to look at chapter 11 this morning. We were in this chapter last week, and we really looked at the first four verses, and we kind of parked on this this verse where it says, this sickness is not unto death. Of course, Jesus speaking of Lazarus, the sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified through it. And we spent uh, quite a bit of time on that. But this morning, we're going to look at hopefully the entire chapter. I know that's kind of um, uh, ambitious for me. Um, because honestly, there's a lot here, so I'm not going to uh, beleaguer the point. Let's read the first uh, 27 verses of this together. It says, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. And it was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. And therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, whom you love is sick. And when Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, and so when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. And then after this, he said to his disciples, Let us go to Judea again. And the disciples said to him, Rabbi, Lately the Jews sought to stone you, and are you going there again? And Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? 
If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. These things he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him. And then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought he was speaking about taking rest in sleep. And then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. And then Thomas, who is the twin, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb for four days, speaking of Lazarus. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away, and many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Now Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, and Mary was sitting in the house. And now Mary, uh, excuse me, now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give it to you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And this is the most important verse of this chapter right here. Circle it, underline it. Verse 25. Actually, uh, 25 uh, and 27, actually. But 25, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me, Though he may die, he shall live, and whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, Yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. And so now we see uh, Jesus coming to the aid of, of Lazarus, Jesus' friend. And you remember that Bethany was just about two miles to the southeast of of Jerusalem, and this is where Mary, Martha, and her brother Lazarus lived. And let's get right into verse 5, since we've already looked at the first four verses. Notice that it says that Jesus loved Martha and her sister Mary and Lazarus. This word loved is significant in the Greek language. In our English, we see the word loved, and it means it could mean anything. In context, we know what love means in our context. But in the Greek language, they would specify The context. You can love your dog, you can love your wife, and you can love God, and we know that there are all three different types of love. So the Bible says that this Greek word is agapeo, which is the highest form of love in the Greek language. It's a self-sacrificing love. It's it's an other-centered love. It has no concern about self, but rather the benefit of the other. And so this is what it means when Jesus loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus. He loved them sacrificially. And we're going to find out, excuse me, that not only did he love them, but he was going to demonstrate that love on a cross, not only for the three of them, but for all of us here. He demonstrated his love for us that while we were yet sinners, Jesus died on the cross. He died for our sin. That's the greatest, greatest form of love when you are willing to give yourself over everything else. And so verse 6 says, So when he had heard, when Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. It seems like a paradox, doesn't it? 
Because between uh, verses 5 and 6, because if he truly loves Lazarus sacrificially, and that's what that word really means, he would have gone to him immediately. He would have gone. But we've got to remember that there was a greater purpose in Jesus waiting that nobody seemed to understand at that time but himself and the Father. And it required Lazarus to die physically. You know, we're often short-sighted in our understanding of the things of God, the ways of God, especially when difficult and hard things happen to us. And sometimes our sicknesses and even our inconveniences are God's divine appointments for us. Have you ever been inconvenienced when you've had your day all planned out and, 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 and all of a sudden there's things that inter- interrupt your day and you get a little frustrated? This is not on the schedule. This is not on my iPhone I got a little thing that popped up and says, hey, you got to go to the doctor. you got to go to the dentist. you got to go to CVS and pick up a prescription, whatever it is. And all of a sudden, I've got this interruption in my life. Sometimes, sometimes those are God's divine appointments. Recently, I had a divine appointment, and I shared this with you, I think. Uh, my car ran out of gas the day before my birthday, just not too long ago. And um, my wife and I were on our way to a furniture store in Henrietta, and we got halfway there, and my car was on empty, and I, I, didn't, I, I, knew, it, I knew about it, and I, I underestimated because I've gotten used to playing that gas gauge roulette thing that we all do. And so uh, the, the point is, is that we got halfway there to Henrietta. It was a, it was a cold day, and then I re- we realized we forgot to measure some dimensions. So we drive all the way back home, but before we got home, literally less than a mile from our house, my car just died. And I didn't, the way it happened, I didn't, think it was, I didn't think it was the gasoline. At least my pride didn't want me to think that. And so we're sitting there alongside the road, and wouldn't you know, there was a police officer right at the intersection where we were at. He came over, and he helped us. And uh, the, the long story short is I had to go get gas and put it in, and sure enough, it was the gas, and I, you know, felt that. Have you ever felt that, that embarrassment? You know, and everybody's driving by looking at you. <laughs> What an idiot. You know, so that happened to me. But the, my point is, what seemed like an interruption to me and an interruption in my day, and it did. It took, a, took us out of commission for about an hour and a half. And thank God Pastor Dave, was, he came and he rescued me and brought me to the gas station. I got some gas or brought me home to get a gas can. But I came back, and, and the police officer was still there. And I started talking to the police officer, just thanking him for his service and how thankful I am and uh, for what he has done, and, and got to share with him a little bit. And I thought to myself later, especially as I was reading this about the inconvenience <laughs> of things, I thought to myself, you know what, Lord, you may have allowed that for that reason. Maybe that man, and he was a rookie, this cop, maybe he needed the encouragement, and maybe God had to interrupt my life. Rob, are you willing to be interrupted so that you will encourage? And you know, at the time, I had no idea. But I'm like, here I am, and I'm sitting there talking with this guy, and I'm thanking him, and I'm talking to him, and we're having this great conversation. And then later on, I thought, you know, what? maybe that's what that was all about. Sometimes our greatest inconveniences can be God's divine appointments, and I believe that may have been a divine appointment.
In verse 7 it says, Then after this, Jesus said to his disciples, Let us go to Judea again. And the disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you, and are you going to go there again? You know, this seems to defy logic, doesn't it? If you go to a place and you're going to get beaten and were threatened to be killed, um, the last place I want to go is back to that location. I'd much rather choose some place in Palm Springs. Right? So the disciples are thinking logically. They're thinking logically. But remember, it was just in John chapter 10, verse 31. Remember, it was during that time when Jesus declared that he is the good shepherd and that he was equal with God the Father. And the Jews, remember, in verse 31 of chapter 10, they took up stones and they were going to stone him for blasphemy because he made himself equal with God. He didn't make himself equal. He was God in the flesh and is God in the flesh. But the fact that Jesus was going to go back there didn't make any sense to the disciples. But there are reasons beyond our human reasoning that God does things. In fact, there are times that the Lord may want us to go back to a situation or a place that we have previously had trouble. Paul the Apostle knew this very well. In one of his missionary journeys, it tells us in Acts 14 that the Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there, and having persuaded the multitudes, they stoned Paul, and they dragged him outside of the city, supposing him to be dead. However, when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and went into the city, and the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. It defies logic, but God had a bigger reason for it. And we ought not to be afraid. Be led by the Spirit, even if it makes, doesn't make sense. The church around you, even your parents, closest friends, will say, you're a lunatic, what are you doing? But make sure that you're led by the Lord. And don't be afraid to step out in faith, and you'll find out. And happy will you be when you realize that your inconvenience turned out to be a divine appointment. It turned out to be a divine appointment, and it would defy logic. And that's why we can't think on this level all the time. See, you know, if if we're always thinking on this level, we're going to miss out on a lot of stuff that's happening vertically because God wants to work in us. He wants to work in us. We have to be willing vessels, right? And sometimes and many times the will of God may not make sense, but it's more important, again, to be faithful and obedient to him, right? Think of how the world would be different if the servants of God in the, in the, in the history, in the Bible, didn't obey. And, the, and many of them didn't. They made mistakes. And, and aren't you glad they're there for our encouragement? <laughs> you realize you're not alone when we read these things. But back in verse 9 in our text, it says, So Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? And if anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. Jesus spoke earlier in John chapter 8 that he is the light of the world. But it's not necessarily speaking of that, because what does it tell us in Romans? There's 12 hours in the day. We need to be walking in the light, not in the darkness. And that's what Paul said to the Romans. He said this, he says, And do this, knowing the time, that it is now high time to awake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. And right now, right now in our country, in our history, right now in, our, in this place of the church, I can say amen to that. We've never been closer and the signs have never been clearer than they are right now. It really behooves us to really draw near and to really get serious about our faith and our walk in Christ. But notice what it says. 
The night is far spent and the day is at hand, Paul says. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light and let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on. Here's our mandate. Yes, some mandates are good. (laughs) Here's our mandate, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. We gotta kill that old nature. We gotta, we gotta sacrifice it. We gotta crucify it. God wants you to be a living sacrifice. See, the, the God of Islam, which is nothing more than a demon, and I, and that's the truth. The God of Islam says, you wanna serve me? You wanna worship me? Then strap on a, a vest of C4 and blow up. And we've talked about this. Sorry to bring it up again. But our God says, no, I want you alive, but you've got to die to yourself. That my glory, my life can live in and through your life to minister to others, to impact others. Why? So that they might be saved. That they might be saved. See, that's what it's all about is God wants to save a people unto himself. He wants to reconcile us, the church, and everyone in the world, as many as will come, to be reconciled back to the Father. That's why Jesus came. He was the bridge. He was the mediator. So Jesus is not talking here about physical day and night, but opportunities and seasons of opportunity to share and to do those things of the Lord. But notice verse 10, but if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. Let me ask you, are you walking in the day? Are you born again this morning? Are you born again? Is the Spirit of God, has He indwelt you? Or are you still walking in the night? Are you still unregenerate? Meaning, the Spirit of God is not in you, so you haven't been regenerated by the Spirit of God. Are you still unregenerate, walking in darkness? Paul to the Ephesians says, Therefore remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ. You were... Uh, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, uh, promise, having no hope and without God in this world. I don't know about you, but I, I, I can't imagine, especially being a Christian now, I can't imagine what life is like being without God in this present world, especially now. The hopelessness, the darkness, the, the heartache... And, you know, even as a Christian, even though I know what's coming, even though I know Christ is coming for the church, even though these things are true, I'm still heartbroken. Are you? Even though I know these things, the process is not easy, is it? But thank God we know what's coming. Thank God we know the end of the story. And, folks, it's coming to pass. It's coming to pass, but we need to walk in the light The author of this gospel in his epistle, says, but if we walk in the light as he, Jesus, is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. Verse 11, it says, These things Jesus said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him. This word friend is really wonderful. It's a Greek word called phylos, and it's a friendly, kind of social, neighborly kind of love or friend. That that's kind of what it is. We see it in other verses, like in John 15, where it says, Greater love has no one than this than to lay down his life for his friends. Or in James 2.23, And the scripture was fulfilled, which said, Abraham believed God, and it was counted him 
accounted to him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. I got that song in my head. I am the friend of God. Remember that song you hear? And I, I got that song in my head. As soon as I read that verse, that's what I'm thinking of. And you are. You're a friend of God because the enmity, the hatred has been put away because you've received his son. And now you are Christians, Christ ones. The enmity is past. You are loved by your God more than you can possibly understand. You're loved by him. He loves you. He's not here to ruin your fun. Actually, he wants your life to be greater in fulfillment and greater in joy. And you know, only as a Christian can we experience that fullness of joy. And, it, and, it's, and it's the fullness of joy in the life, is abs, the, the, what's absent from it is our flesh. The less our flesh is involved, the greater joy we're going to have. Sure, the pleasures of sin are pleasurable for a season. The Bible says that. But then the bill comes, and we can't pay that bill. We don't like the consequence of that bill. There is a wage that we get, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What we receive as a result of sin is death and the consequences of it. And boy, they're horrible. And many of us are even still living in the consequences of those things. But Jesus willingly laid his life down for us, and no one took it from him. Verse 11, notice it says sleeps. Our friend Lazarus sleeps. This, this word is koimeo, which is where we get our word coma from. Someone who is, uh, is asleep, they're slumbering, they're, or it could mean they're deceased. And then verse 12, his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he, he will get well. They didn't understand what, what Jesus was speaking of. And by the way, this idea of sleeping, when it's, when it, this idiom in the Christian church, and even in the, Old Te- or in the New Testament, excuse me, when it speaks of sleeping, it, it more, more often than not, depending on the context, means died, a person who has died. Because a, for a Christian, when we die, it's just a temporary thing. Our, our body, anyway, our, our soul uh, goes to, to glory to, to, with Jesus, but our body's still on the ground until the resurrection, and that's what we're going to talk about today. And so therefore, however, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. And Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. You see, by allowing Lazarus to die physically would bring about a saving faith in many. We'll see that later on in verse 45, that there were those there when Lazarus... Razawith? Sound like Elmer Fudd. Razawith. There were many there when Lazarus rose that came to faith in Christ. And this is how Jesus is glorified and also the Father. And notice the phrase that you may believe. Even the disciples' faith was growing through this event, and so are we. We're still growing through all of these things that we read as we continue to know. And as the the depth of our understanding gets deeper and deeper and deeper, our dependence on Christ grows deeper and deeper as well. That's That's why we gather like this. It's like a big meal. We're all being fed. And I'm a fat sheep, and I love it. I've been a fat sheep for a long time. But I need to start moving and losing some of that weight and getting out there and telling people the truth, right? 
But be willing to be challenged and keep learning and growing. Just as the disciples, they, were, they didn't quite get it, but they're learning and growing just like we are. Don't allow yourself to get stale and crusty. Always keep learning. Don't allow yourself to be puffed up with spiritual pride. Let's get real with each other and not judge and criticize and scrutinize one another, not being jealous and envy of each other. That's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.